So tonight as we examine this song that we sing from time to time, I want to give you a little background, uh, if any, it's not much, uh, but some background to this song concerning uh, the author and uh, composers and things of this song. A man by the name of Austin Taylor, who was born in 1881 uh, in Morgantown, Kentucky. Uh, he died in 1973, but in he moved to Texas from Morgantown, Kentucky in 1890. And there he studied music <clears throat> and became a proficient song leader among the churches of Christ in the South and even in the Southwest area of the United States. He was known for his ability to sing or to teach singing schools, uh, including the Texas normal singing school that they have. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but we used to have a lot of people from back home who would go to Texas once a year and for a big annual singing school. Um, so he was there and he taught there in that uh, school uh, that thousands of people went to. Uh, every year. Mr. Taylor wrote about 200 songs and published several song books uh, among our brethren in the Lord's church. So we can say tonight that he was a member of the Lord's church. And not every person and every author or composer or whatever of the songs that we have looked at have been um, members of the church. They've had some type of religious background. Um, but again, he was a member of the church and did a lot of good work concerning producing songs uh, for the Lord's church. The first thing I want us to look at is Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 that was read just a moment ago. It says, Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. In the name of the Lord. <clears throat> that is an expression that means you are acting with the authority of the one that is named. When you do all in the name of whoever is named, that is simply saying to you and to me that we are acting with the authority of the one named. And in our case, as we read in Colossians 3, verse 17, we are acting in the name of the Lord. The term is used in reference to Jesus' coming in Matthew 21, uh, in verse 9, as he was entering Jerusalem. They were talking about the Lord is coming. And if you remember in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, in verse 21, Peter quoted in that sermon there, uh, the prophet Joel, in chapter 2 and verse 32, on the day of Pentecost, calling for his audience to obey the gospel, doing all in the name of the Lord the things that they were commanded to do. In Acts uh, chapter 8 and verse 16, the people of Samaria had been baptized, what? In the name of the Lord. And we can also trace that through the book of Acts in Acts chapter, <clears throat> Acts chapter 10 
We see another reference to that as well. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 48, the Bible says to us that he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord or Jesus Christ. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Also, you can go on over in the book of Acts in chapter 19 in verse 5, and it says, When they heard this, they were baptized in or into the name of the Lord Jesus. And we can continue to trace that all the way through. Another one is Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. And we can trace that phrase all the way through in uh, the book of Acts. Also, <clears throat> you can go into the book of James in chapter 5. In verse 10, and it says this to us. The Bible says this to us. Uh, let me get there and I'll read it to you. Chapter 5 and verse 10. The Bible reads, it says, Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. So also we see that in James chapter 5 and verse 10. Romans 10 and verse 13 goes on and says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So taking that phrase, we can say all of these give an understanding that this expression means we are respecting what He, God or Christ, bids us to do. Now in this... Don't forget what Peter said in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. It's well known to you. Nor is there salvation in any other, uh, for there is no other name under heaven uh, that given among men by which uh, we must be saved. So don't forget that as well as that authority is expressed there as well. So this song repeatedly as we've sang it many times, reminds us to do all in the name of the Lord. Now, we always, in every case, that we might make a judgment or that we might need to uh, understand something, we always need to ask, where's the authority? In the church... In things of the church or things that we've done or things we don't do or whatever the case may be, we always should ask, where's the authority to do this or not to do this according to the Bible? Before we act, whether as the church or as his people, and yes, in this, we can apply the principles of Scripture concerning this song. Starting with uh, verse 1, he says to avoid the creeds of men. As you read this, and I read it as well, he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Do not in the name of men or creed. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. The first thing we notice about our text is that it's dealing with whatever we do or say. We ought to consider if it is what the Lord would want us to do in that circumstance. Now when you go, you remember well, Matthew 28 and verses 18 through 20, where it says that all authority had been given to him in heaven and in earth. He has all the authority. 
and a disciple is taught, he says, go on in that scripture, and says to observe what? All things that I have commanded you. So furthermore, we see that it is all in the name of the Lord. Whatever you do in word and deed, that three little word, little word do all in the name of the Lord. And that's everything that we do. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17 tells us that what he has given us says that we can be thoroughly free. We can be complete. We can be perfected, if you will. And so, <coughs> 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 reminds us that his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. As I've mentioned before, a few years ago, the saying come out, or the expression WWJD was popular. While that expression can be abused in some ways, it is a good question to ask. When we respect what he tells us to do in his word, we will ask those things. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 further emphasizes whatever we do, it ought to be to the glory of God. Now that's something that we all need to think about. Whatever we do, whatever we say, wherever we go, should be some way used for the glory of God. We should find out, find a way to do that. We've talked about even in our bad situations in life, how can we use those to bring glory for God? How can we use our workplace to bring glory to God? How can we use a sickness? How can we use uh, financial trouble or whatever the case may be? How can we use those things to the glory of God? As I just wrote, read just a moment ago, do not, the book the song says, in name of man or creed. We do not follow the wisdom of man in determining what, determining what we do. And this has always been a dangerous path and is often is wrong. If you remember, if you remember in Psalms chapter 118, in verse 8, it says that it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. That has always been the case. But we often fail at that. A lot of times we put confidence in men or a man rather than in the Lord. We're warned in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 not to be tossed to and fro, if you remember, and carried about every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. We're warned about that. In Matthew uh, 15 and verse 9. Jesus declared the doctrines and the commandments of men as what? Vain worship. I just learned today that a well-known person to our family has left the church and went into a Christian church. Something like the, the life church or community or whatever you want to call them was brought up in the church. Taking the church every time the doors are open. Was taught the truth. But here, here recently has just left 
the Lord's church. To me, that's sad. I believe that's a grave warning to we as parents who have children that we as a congregation, as elders, as deacons, as husbands and wives and mothers and fathers and children, we protect our young from that happening. Don't say it won't ever happen because I'm sure these parents of this person I'm talking about has probably said the same thing. We've got to teach and give them good foundation when they're young. And we need to be in prayer that they will not depart from the church when they're old. That's when it happens. When they're older and they get more independent and we say, okay, we've got to let them, we've got to let them uh, spread their wings and fly a little bit. And some are just flying away from the church. And that's sad. A lot of times in our church families and, and the families in the Lord's church and across the brotherhood, you know, every church is experiencing what we're seeing here. 142 here this morning. I guess maybe we, we might, I don't know that we have 100 here tonight. 104 for Bible study this morning. And 142 so what, 39 people, is that right? 38 people, something didn't seem that like that it was, I'm not good at math, so <laughs> 38 people, uh, something in that, in that general area didn't think it was necessary to be at Bible study. You know, that concerns me. And it should concern all of us. And it's an ongoing issue throughout the brotherhood. But teaching our young the authority of Jesus Christ, teaching our young that church is important and services are important and being in the, amongst the, the brethren are, are, are good things. And I think we have a lot of good people who are doing that. But I think we still have a long way to go in accomplishing that. But do not in the name of man or creed, do not follow the wisdom of man, the way of man is only right. Now hear this. The way of man is only right if it's based upon the path of God. That's the only way. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Be ye followers, Paul wrote, or imitators of me, even as I also am of Christ. You see, we need more of that in our homes and our churches and across the brotherhood. Verse 2, be not deceived by worldly greed. <clears throat> Do all the name of the Lord. The Spirit says, in word or deed. Be not deceived by worldly greed. As we have noted, the pursuit of things is always a concern to me. Pursuit of things. A lot of times in young, mature, unmature, immature minds, they pursue things. They say, oh, I want this. I got to have this. Again, I always tell the story of when I first 
Well, in, in senior year of high school when I graduated, I didn't have a vehicle. I walked to school every day. <clears throat> but I can remember my grandfather says, we're going to end up and we're going to get you a truck. Boy, I had a bright, shiny one picked out. Boy, it was beautiful. Four-wheel drive, chrome wheels, tinted windows, sliding back glass. I mean, it had the works. And I was pursuing it. I had a job. I've told you the story before. As we began to sit down on paper and put it on paper, and I had the money to make the payment. But you know what? I didn't have no money to pay the insurance to put gas in it. It just had to sit there. Oh, because I didn't have money to make it go. I had money to buy it and keep it there, but what's good a vehicle if you can't drive it? But in pursuit of things, we're warned against the pursuit of riches. First Timothy 5, or First Timothy 6, rather, 9 and 10, talks about those things that we need to be careful in our pursuit of this. Oh, there's nothing wrong nothing wrong with wanting things and getting things in life and working for them. There's not a thing wrong with it. And most certainly I encourage that for our young people. But in 1 Timothy there in chapter 6 and verse 9 and 10, he goes on and he says, make sure I'm in the right chapter. He says, but they that will or are minded to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. And we all have heard this, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they had erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We're warned about that in the pursuit of riches. One of the ways our Lord described the influence, if you remember the thorny ground, was the deceitfulness of riches in Matthew 13 and 22. And we're warned again in 1 John chapter 2 and verses 15 and 16 to not to, love the, not to love the world or the things in the world because those things are passing away. Over and over we're reminded of this thought. But however, as we see this in this song, it causes me to wonder how many, allow, how many allow the things of this world to influence their obedience to God. You see, we need to remember this. Don't seek to rewrite the gospel to permit covetous behavior. Second Peter 2 and 1, 3, 1 through 3 warns of false teachers who will exploit you There'll be covetousness among other things. But that second verse, be not deceived by worldly greed, the Spirit says in word and deed. Instead of being influenced by the world, we need to listen to God, the, the song and Scripture tells us to. If you remember this morning in our lesson, consider how our Lord there was on the Mount of Transfiguration where the disciples were ready to make three tents, if you will. But a voice in heaven says to them, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Matthew 17 and 5. 
Be like our Lord, who when faced with temptation said, It is written in Matthew 4 and 4, verse 7 and 10. Don't be afraid to ask the question, where's the authority? That should be the baseline for anything in the Lord's church and out of the church in one sense. Where is the authority that we have to do or not to do? And I think that's important to us. What about verse 3? He says, if you are toiling for a crown, do all in the name of the Lord. Oh, do not trust in world renown. Do all in the name of the Lord. Avoid worldly renown. If you're toiling for a crown, why do we do what we do as Christians? Think about that. Why do we do what we do as Christians? Why do we act the way we do? Why do we say or do the things we do or go the places we go? Why do we come here tonight? Why do we come here this morning? Why will we come back on Wednesday night? It's because we seek the crown of life, isn't it? We want to go to heaven. We want to be with God. There's a love inside of your your heart and mind and soul for God. And we seek the victory that 2 Timothy 4 and 7 8 talks about and, and that 1 Corinthians 9 and 25 says that we, we do run for an imperishable crown. Avoid worldly renown. Notice also the call is that we are toiling for this crown. We're working at it. We don't sit back and we don't expect God to, to do everything. We do what we can. We do our part, if you will. In Philippians 2 and verse 12, we're warned and told, says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Trembling. So if you desire, if your desire is heaven, you must obey his will. There are a lot of people who are not. Matthew 7 tells us, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will go to heaven. It's that simple, isn't it? Are you toiling for that crown? Are you working for the eternal life, awaiting those who seek glory, honor, immortality, and doing good? 1 Timothy 6 and 12 was written there. He was told to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. And that song warns us, do not trust in world renown. Don't think that you can earn your salvation. You know, none of us, a lot of times we hear that. I think sometimes we say things and we don't think about it. I've been guilty of it myself. People saying, have I done enough? Or can I do this to make it to heaven? We need to understand that we can't do enough to go to heaven. Do not think that you are good enough. Do not think you can give your way to heaven, example, in your money or your time or whatever. Of course, those things are important. But you know, we go, we'll make it to heaven through having love, working for the Lord, being faithful, being obedient, and by the grace of God. That's how we'll make it. I think of the Pharisee in in the book of Luke in chapter 18 who brags about his accomplishments, if you remember, Luke 18 and 10 through 12. 
whatever your pursuit, think about this out of Matthew 16, verse 26. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? You may gain the whole world and lose your soul. And if so, what is it worth? I think the question is due to be asked tonight, what are we, what are we using our soul or what are we losing our soul to? Maybe there's something in your life. You know, I don't know. I have to ask myself that often. You see, you need to be obeying him. We all need to be obeying him. We need to be putting him first. Matthew 6 and 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Be willing to surrender to him. Don't be like the rich young ruler who let that one thing, if you remember, keep him out of heaven. Who went away sorrowful, didn't he? Because he couldn't do that one thing. Peter calls us in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 to be humble. Humble yourselves, he says, before God, and he will lift you up. He will exalt you. Do not trust in the world renowned. Things of the world, don't trust in it. Verse 4, last but not least. Till toils and labors here are done, do all in the name of the Lord. Dear Christian friends, if you'd be one, do all in the name of the Lord. We could say avoid brotherly division. Till toil and labor here are done, a reminder that we must be faithful and that Jesus taught that no, that no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. We find that in, in the book of Luke in chapter 9 and verse 62. Hebrews 10 and 38 calls for us to live by faith. And notes that if one draws back, he has no pleasure in him. If you remember in the book of Revelation, in chapter 2 and verse 10, the church uh, there at Smyrna was, was told to be faithful unto death. And let me tell you, that faithfulness involves working. Toil and labor are words that describe hard work. The Christian life involves struggles and labors. And that's one of the scriptures, one of the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 was one of my, I've, I've done a lesson on that before and told you, there's one of my grandfather's favorite, favorite scripture. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labors are not in vain. Working. As long as we're here upon this earth, labor we must. It is only when we die, Revelation 14 and verse 13, is that when we rest from our labors. And we need to remember that rest that Hebrews 4 tells us about. 
And it speaks of that rest that remains and how with diligence we must strive to enter that rest. Our toils and labors must be in the name of the Lord. Dear, dear Christian friends, if you'd be one. And finally, we're reminded in this song of Christian unity. You know the scripture well. Psalms 133 and verse 1 speaks of how good and pleasant it is in the eyes of the Lord that when brethren dwell in unity. Our Lord wanted unity. And he prayed for unity in John 17. And Paul pleaded for it among the brethren in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. How is that achieved? We've had lessons here about being as one. Not so not too long ago. How is that achieved? Doing all in the name of the Lord. Too many people today seek a false unity. So what do you mean? Too many today seek a false unity based upon compromise with people and, and uh, um, taking and, and uh, using compliments and things to people in a way to get an advantage. Brother Gossett talked about that last week. A false unity. And a lot of times in the church, I've seen it across the brotherhood, Compromise the truth. You see, that's not true unity. That's not true unity. These churches that are growing like they are, as we see the life church and other churches growing like they are, that's false unity. Because they're using false teaching that wherever you come from, from whatever background of religious world or faith, whatever you come from will accept you. If you want to be completely immersed, we will completely immerse you. If you want to be sprinkled, we'll sprinkle you. If you just want to accept Jesus as your Savior and pray this prayer, we'll accept you. That's false unity. It's saying to the whole group, says, we'll just take you as you are. We'll just disregard what the Bible says. And that's false unity. Ephesians 4 11 through 13, we're giving, we're given teaching leaders to build us up until we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So repetitively through this song, the words ring to us tonight. Do all in the name of the Lord. You know, tonight is a good thing that drives home a crucial truth. Where is the authority? May we all in what we do seek to do it in the name of the Lord. Think about it. Everything that we do and everything that we say, can we say we're doing it in the name of the Lord? When you leave here tonight, whatever you may do, whatever the work week brings, let me encourage you to do it all in the name of the Lord. When it's difficult and someone says this or says that and you have to respond back, think about how you respond. Think about our Lord as he was beaten and spit upon and cursed. 
Not one time is it recorded that he lashed back. When he was in the wilderness, he told the devil, it's written, it is written. He never lashed back. Do all in the name of the Lord tonight. Think about that. Let's sing this song, and I have just a couple more comments, and then we will extend the Lord's invitation. Number 121 in our books. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Do not in name of man or creed, do all in the name of the Lord. Do all in his name, do all in the name of the Lord. In word or deed, as God decreed, do all in name of the Lord. Be not deceived by worldly greed, do all in the name of the Lord. The Spirit says in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Do As you sing it, and I don't know about you, but as we've studied these songs, when I go and put scripture to it, it just gives me a better understanding as I sing it um, and what it's really, really talking about. But that song covers a lot of aspects. What are you living for today? What have you been living for? Have you been living for the authority of Christ? Have you been living for that crown, striving and toiling for that crown? Probably most of this group here tonight, you could say yes. Because God's important to you. Church is important to you. The word of God and serving him and worshiping him is important to you. That's why you came back tonight. 
And you're to be commended for that. But let me encourage you to keep on toiling. But even in those toils and labors, there's difficulties that come our way that knock us down, often cause us to sin, often cause us to not do things in the name of the Lord. And sometimes we do it in the name of the devil. And it's sin to us. And we know it's wrong. And we need to clean up our lives. And I encourage you tonight to clean yours up. Do what the Lord would have you to do. Come back to your first love. Become a Christian if you need to be. Be baptized for the mission of your sins and add it to the Lord's church. So tonight, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.